Hi, Ola. Thank you so much for joining us on Black Ink Cinema Podcast. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. Um, so before we get into your very unique film choice, you are a Sudanese-British Muslim female comedian, um, which makes it pretty unique. And I don't think I've come across any comedian like yourself. And that's why I was really intrigued and wanted to speak to you and get your take on just like everything. How did you incorporate all of those identities into your stand-up? Uh, I think it's really difficult to incorporate all those things into my stand-up. Um, I use uh, I use my comedy platform to kind of educate people about mm. my background. Um, there's not many black Muslim <laughs> anythings out there at the moment. So <laughs> yeah. UK is made up of 10% of UK is Muslim and 10% mm. of those 10% are black. Muslim so um, because of that loads of people misidentify me people assume I'm Asian yeah I'm a little Mm. bit light-skinned but nobody Mm. knows what's going on underneath this so um, confusing to them they're like what's happening (laughs) they all they all think I get Pakistani I get Bengali I've had Malaysian I've had Filipino Um, so people don't really kind of um, know about the black Muslim community so I do use my comedy platform to uh, educate about but it. I think that's just a lack of like knowledge of geography because if like I wouldn't I wouldn't have said any of those countries I would have said definitely East or North Africa for sure w- w- what's your ethnic background I'm Ugandan oh you're Ugandan so that is probably why you all know I'm East African yeah. <laughs> so, um, Pro- yes yes definitely probably. and um, but no, I, um, most of my most of my identifiers would be Asian. I get Asian all the time, but I don't mm. think it's specifically because of my name or because of whatever. I think they'll take one look at the headscarf and automatically yeah. assume Asian or Arab. Yeah, yeah. So, do you get any surprise looks when you walk on the stage? Like when you're doing your stand up or your comedy, are people a little bit take a minute and then they're like, "Oh, okay." Definitely when I first started, because uh, I used to do a lot of pub gigs. Mm. So I'd walk into a pub and you, everybody's kind of looking. And I, there were two occasions when the security guard was like, are oh, you lost, sweetheart? Like, you know, where are you trying to get to? And I'm like, no, I'm performing here today. Uh, so there's, there, there, there's definitely like the weird looks and the, oh, what are you doing here kind of thing. Mm. But I feel more now that my name's kind of out there. People yeah. know to expect me, but they don't so much know what to expect to come but, out of my mouth. Mm. But now, not as much. And now that I'm doing more posh gigs, you know, no. grubby shitholes anymore. So <laughs> uh, now that, like, I think um, my audience is more aware of diversity and aware, you know, that, you know, we're not mm. all just um, in the kitchen worshipping our husbands. Are you one of those performers that enjoys interacting with the audience, the hecklers? Have you had any like awkward hecklers in the past? I've always had hecklers. I don't think I've ever done a gig where I haven't been heckled ever. Um, I find the best hecklers is ones that laugh at things that not necessarily, so people already have this kind of stereotype of what they Mm. expect me to be or what they think of me so if I say for example um in one of my sets I'm like oh uh you know last week I got kicked out of a club people will laugh even though it's like well what's funny what's so (laughs) funny about that so um they're they're usually the hectors I enjoy about most because I can hit them with what you know why are you laughing you know what's funny what are you laughing at I haven't even said the joke yet but yeah you get hecklers all the time they're my Mm. favorite when did you get into comedy 
so I've always wanted to do comedy. Mm. Uh, but uh, what, like the background that I come from, it's like an absolute don't even think about it. Yes. So I kind of had the choice between medicine, pharmacy, medicine, law, pharmacy, or medicine. And I chose, <laughs> well, I, I wanted to do medicine, but I didn't get in. That was like a massive disappointment in oh, itself. So I did pharmacy. I, I'm, I'm so glad I didn't because I don't think I would be where I am today if I was yeah. a doctor. Yes. Um, so I did that, uh, did my postgraduate, I specialized, but I've always wanted to do comedy. And then when I got to my 30th birthday, I think I just had like a massive crisis and I'm like, you know, what am I going to do? Uh, like at, at what point am I going to take that first step? Yeah. And, um, I moved to Manchester cause the comedy circuit there is amazing, oh, amazing cool. start point for the comedy. Yeah. Yeah. If you want to do comedy, a lot of people say go to London. I would always yeah. recommend Manchester. Um, so yeah, I went to Manchester, did my first open mic ever to an audience of three paralytic six-year-old men. And it, honestly, that's where my career started. That is an amazing that. story. The fact <laughs> that you even like completely moved and like went and started up fresh. I think something does happen when you're approaching 30 slash 30. You're just like, questioning your whole life and what you're going to do with it which I think oh definitely yeah I think especially as a woman I I think like especially as a woman because 30 is the kind of age where you expect to be like married and settled and you know like you start thinking about kids and stuff like Mm. that so I was at that stage I just thought I don't think I would ever I'm not saying I wouldn't ever be happy if I like settled and had kids and this and that at that stage but I know that there will always be like an emptiness there will always be yeah. a gap there will always be a what if what if and I just yes. I don't think I could ever I, I've lived with enough what ifs as yes. it was I didn't want to live with any more so at that point I was like it's either now or never so I bloody I just, love that answer and I'm I'm here for it because I think that's great and I think we I think the older we get, you kind of get a little bit more confident and think that you can, you know what, it's now or never. So yeah. I love the fact that you went for it because there's nothing worse than like 10 years down the line thinking, oh, maybe I should have gone for it. And always yeah, do you know what I mean? Late. And I, I never wanted to take that risk. I never mm. wanted. And I think at that point I was already what, what ifing. And um, I think with, with the kind of field that we have, it's yeah. just like you, you kind of get, too comfortable you get Mm. too comfortable um and content not comfortable content is the word so I didn't my level of contentancy if that's even a word (laughs) yeah was getting too close to okay just allow it and just carry on doing it so no I'm I'm I'm, thank god like I took the step when I did and uh it's got me here today talking to you which I'm so happy. Any comedians inspire you? So you, you'll hear me talk about this a lot, but my dad is literally the funniest human being anyone can ever meet. He's so funny. He's always like the center of attention at parties or <laughs> gatherings. He's kind of got that rep. And I'd like to think it's like a genetic thing that I got it from mm-hmm. him. But, um, he, you know, sometimes we'd be watching, I don't know, like whatever it is, Britain's Got Talent or this or that. And we'd see all these comedians. <laughs> and I'd always say like, that's so much funnier than them. That's so much funnier than them. Um, so growing yeah. up, he, you know, like I, I was high, a lot of my jokes, my sense of humor and even my, um, demeanor on stage very much is a reflection of him. I was going to ask if any of your parents have seen you do your stand up. Oh no. <laughs> they don't want to no. go and see? 
No, no, no. I'm, I, I hosted an event for the um, Sudanese Revolution. My dad came to that, but that was hosting and it was for charity. Mm. But I can't imagine, like, especially my mum, oh, no. I, don't, I can't imagine her ever coming to see me live. No, oh. no, no. Have you got any siblings? Have they come? Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, my, oh, my siblings are so supportive. Oh, oh nice. my God, yeah. My, bro- my uh, brothers um, are great. They come to, even though I tell them I'm doing the same set, like, <laughs> don't waste your time, don't waste your money. But they are so supportive. Oh, even my little... Good. Yeah, 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 yeah. Even my little rodent, 14-year-old brother, <laughs> he managed to get into a gig, even though it was like an age limit. But he saw me for the first time on... Friday at backyard, like oh, yes. tucked in the back somewhere. But yeah, no, no, no. Sibling wise, very, very supportive siblings. Oh, that's so nice though, I think. Yeah, definitely. I, I don't I don't know what I would have done if my siblings weren't supportive. If uh, yeah. you know, like it's parents is tough, but um at least my siblings are kind of like, you know, they're my generation. If yeah, you like. they get so it. They, they, they get it. Yeah, they yeah. get it. They get it. They completely get it that's really nice so you've done panel shows children panel shows and adult panel shows um the dog ate my homework and yesterday and the day before do you find pairing for those the same or is it different no with kids with working with kids is so i i I was used to working with kids because I did uh, pediatrics for a while. Oh, so, wow. um, so I worked with kids for ages and with kids, like you don't even have to say anything funny. You just have to like <laughs> open your eyes as wide as you can, open your mouth and like lean forward. Yeah. And, then and it- that's enough to, that's it. That's <laughs> all you need to do. Big eyes, big mouth. Yeah. Lean forward. And that's it. Uh, you can say whatever you want, but um, so with kids, it's easy. And I think kids want to laugh. Um, Adults, you've got to prepare. Mm. You have to be prepared. You have to know who your audience are. You have to see who else you're on with. Um, what makes you different from them? What makes you the same as them? So um, I think a lot more preparation is involved when you're doing adult-based shows, 100%. Do you prefer one or the other? Oh, God, adults. <laughs> okay. I also know that you've got a podcast, Would You Rather. Tell us a little bit about that. Would you rather? So I started that like nearer the beginning when I, my gigging started to pick up. And mm. um, for me, it's because like as much as comedy is your personality, it's your persona, it's who you are. Um, I wanted people to see a true reflection of who I am, what my uh, personality is like, what I, yes. you know, like bouncing off people. Because it's one thing going on stage, writing a script, performing it and acting. Yeah. But I find that the better comedians are the comedians that their persona on stage is exactly mm-hmm. the same as their persona off stage. So they are actually funny people. Yeah. Um, so my would you rather was a way a way of me um, interacting with people and people seeing that actually what you see on stage, what you see on TV, what, wherever you mm. see me, I am the same person, like regardless. Yeah. So uh, that's why I started doing um, Would You Rather. Which is cool. Do you have any Would You Rather questions that are like your go-to ones or that usually get really good answers? So when I, when I used to do Would You Rather, I used to research the people I interviewed right. I would research their like obvious stuff like yeah. I would hardcore google so I've got <laughs> one of my friends she's like a number one stalker she'll she'll pull out shit about you that you don't even know so me and her used to like look 
really, really, really look into people and yeah. like I'd ask them something and it'd take them aback. Like yeah. for uh, for example, uh, I would you rather with Babatunde mm-hmm. and Babatunde was in Holby City, however many mm-hmm. years ago as a nurse mm-hmm. <laughs> and he had a part in something else. Like he was a mechanic in something else. And I was like, what? And even when I spoke about it, he was like, oh, my God, where did you pull that from? Oh, my God, where did you pull that from? Yeah. So um, I, tr- I try to, like, make it, like, a little bit different. Like, yeah. try and talk about things that, like, no one would ever think of asking mm. someone. So that's the kind of, like, direction I'd steer in. That's good. You must get some really interesting answers, which um, I love as well. Have you got any other projects that you're working on at the moment? Uh, so I'm working on a script. At the moment, um, I'm getting mentored by uh, Danielle Scott-Horton, who is the most fantastic, one of the most fantastic people I've met in a very long time. Beautiful person inside and out. So I'm doing script writing. um, I'm working on documentaries at the moment. Uh, There's two documentaries I'm working on and boring work stuff that you know about. (laughs) So do you want to share your socials with the listeners? So you can follow me on Instagram on at the Ola Labib. So we're here to celebrate all things black cinema and you chose Faisal Goes West. For those people who haven't seen it, it's a short. Would you like to tell us a little bit about Faisal Goes West? So Faisal Goes West is the first Sudanese um, film that was... Um, broadcasted at the Sudanese Film Festival. It was one of the first films that won international awards. Oh, wow. um, yeah, yeah, so um, it, won, it won awards internationally. Uh, it was um, previewed in Italy, it was previewed in London, mm. it was previewed in Denver. So for something like that to come out of Sudan, especially from diaspora, mm. it, it just didn't happen. Yeah. So um, that came out in... 2013. Was it 2013? Mm-hmm. Mate, my, everything's like a blur for me. <laughs> years. Um, but in that time, like, we never saw anything come out of Sudan artistically. Yeah. So um, people were, you know, people really, really were talking about it. So I watched it. Um, I watched it with a group of my friends who are also Sudanese, they're also diaspora from like immigrant backgrounds. Mm. And there was just so much that we can relate to. Yeah. But back then it was huge in the mm. Sudanese diaspora world because nothing was really ever done um, like it. The actors were Sudanese. Yeah. Um, actually, uh, nine years later, is it nine years? What is wrong with my math? Two thousand <laughs> seven years but- later, I ended up marrying the main actor. You you didn't. No, I did. That is the cutest thing ever. I stalked him heavily for seven <laughs> years. Is that seven what I've got to do? Is that what I've got to do? Yeah. Just, uh, just it, it, it find works. someone and stalk them. No, it works. It okay. works. He doesn't even live in the same country as me. He's, he's, he's American. <laughs> he's American artist. And I literally watched the film and I followed him and listened to his music. And in 2016, mm. they were flying back to Sudan for the first time since the movie came out. Um, he did a TED Talk. Have you heard of TED Talks? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so he did a TED Talks in um, Khartoum. Mm-hmm. I was going to Sudan anyways, but I just booked to go a little bit sooner so I could catch him. Of Got VIP tickets to the show yeah. oh my God. and just worked my juju. <laughs> you need to send me the recipe because that's uh, I'm going to have to try that for sure. 
it works. <laughs> Apart from the obvious, and because I'd never heard of this film, I'd never seen it, and you hit the nail on the head there. There's not that many films about Sudan, let alone um, make, you know, with Sudanese actors and telling that story. What made you pick it today? I think it's because I wanted to choose something that I could relate to. And mm-hmm. um, so because of my kind of ethnic background, we kind of, in British society particularly, we don't really kind of fit anywhere. It's really, really difficult. Like, I think a lot of Northeast Africans kind of have that same kind of feeling. Like, a lot of people don't even identify us as black, uh, which kind of blows my mind a little bit. So we kind of, um, I've, I've always felt like I don't 100% fit with the black community. But then again, we don't really fit with the Muslim community. Mm. Whereas we're such a minority, like predominantly the majority of Muslims in this country are people from Asian backgrounds, such as Pakistani, Bengali, Indian or Arab. Mm. So we're kind of in this kind of lingo. So there wasn't any British films that I could relate to at all. Mm. Um, and black movies, you know, like I was telling you, like, oh, I love Love and Basketball. I love all those kind of movies. Brown yeah. Sugar. Like, I grew up on that shit. I love it. <laughs> yeah. But, but, but I can't relate to it. I enjoy watching it. But yeah. I just don't think I could relate to it. Like, the mm. stuff that they do and the struggles that they kind of go through. To a certain extent, you can relate to it. But there's always going to be that difference. Mm. But with this movie, it is literally what our parents went through. Mm. our parents like for example in the movie the dad was a professor at university and he came to America and he worked as a mechanic or a taxi driver yeah my dad was a doctor in geology for years in Sudan but when he came to this country Mm. he worked as a carer and you know did the odd bits and bobs and but no one knew that this guy has a PhD in geology specialized in marble and gold like no one would ever think that Mm. So I could 100% relate to it. I can 100% relate to, you know, like a lot of things that was going on. So I thought that was the best representation that I've ever watched. That's a movie. I can say, yeah, this is actually 100% reflects who I am. Mm. I think one of the things I found quite interesting about the movie was the director who wrote the film as well is a, a white American who moved to Chad and integrated and learnt the languages French and um, Arabic and so he was he kind of reversed the story and told it did you find how, how did you find that so I met Bentley through ah. um, my now husband um, he also he's done quite a few movies he actually he's doing a doctorate in, in um, film direction at the moment so he has a it's so bizarre, but he has the same struggle, but like you said, but in reverse. So yeah. he moved to Chad and spent time in Sudan since he was very, very young. Mm. So his first language is actually, his Arabic is better than his English. And it's oh, wow. so bizarre, like speaking to him <laughs> in um, And he even knows the Sudanese dialect, which is completely different yeah. to Arabic. And it actually blows your mind when you speak to him. So he can relate to it, but like an, as a mirror reflection, mm. um, but a lot of the stuff he does and a lot of the work he does is with um, like Sudanese and um, African culture because that's, that, that's all he knows. That's what he grew up knowing. But yeah. um, I, I, I love, I think if a Sudanese person would have done it, like an indigenous Sudanese person would have done it, yeah. I don't think they would have pulled off um, how Bentley pulled it off. I really don't think so. Yeah, it was really creatively done and it didn't take away from 
you know, his story when I was watching it. I didn't think, oh, that doesn't seem quite realistic or whatever. It was quite harrowing. And I was like, oh, this is very, this is a very tough time that he's going through. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. And to America. Yeah, um, definitely, definitely. And I think it was like self-funded as well. They did like a, uh, they did, they kind of funded the movie themselves because um, in Sudan, you're not going to get any like sponsorships and stuff mm. like that. And they wanted it to be like, Sydney's orientated yeah. um so that, that they did all that work themselves which in itself is something to be like proper impressed with. yeah so yeah it was impressive especially in that time 2013 I know I mean we're getting there slowly but surely <laughs> yeah <laughs> exactly more, hopefully um so I know you mentioned that your parents are moved here did they have any interesting stories that they told you about their experiences uh moving to the UK yeah uh some of the stuff my dad says like so for my mum it was tough my mum came here when she was 19 mm. and she was just like oh because they don't call the UK the UK or Britain or whatever they call at that time even now still they call it London so the UK okay. is London to them the whole UK is London yeah 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 it's just London but she was like um when she first uh when she was coming here in her head she thought it'd be like you know you live like a queen and yeah. you know because the sterling is strong and this and that when she came here um she had me and with it by the time I was like nine months old she was working like in a factory mm-hmm. and she's worked her whole life and she was like never in a million years that I think moving to the UK I'd you know I'd have to work so yeah. I think she realized like the tough like actually how tough Reality. it is here and, and and until today, Rachel, until today, she said, if I stayed in Sudan, she said, I would be living a much better lifestyle than I, than I would have been here. They, they have no idea. So Do you know what? Interesting that I think that's the, the common thread amongst the immigration story. Like, you know, like I said, I'm Ugandan and my parents, my mom had the same kind of like, oh, I, I expected more. <laughs> yeah. like, you know, she was well-traveled, but even that she kind of had a different perception and expectations because of the UK and, and what it was. But I think a lot of migrants come here and they're like, this, this is not what I, what I thought it was going to be. Um, not at all. Not at yeah. all. Not at all. And, I, and, and um, some of, so when my parents came, there was a few families that came as well. Half of them didn't last like a year or two. They went back to Sudan. They, they, oh, wow. they, they preferred Sudan to here. Mm. My mum's just waiting for my younger brother to start uni. And she's, 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 she's already said, yeah, she's going back. She was like, yeah. she's been That's here for 30 years. They, they all say that, don't she's they? Not, they I'm, say, oh, I'm building back. my house back home. Oh, I'm going. <laughs> let me tell you, she's not going to go. My mum's my mom's been building and my mum and dad have been building their house for high. And it's built, bouncy yeah. decoration. I'm like, well, go back to where you came so, from so then. Go back there. Because she's always yeah. like, you know, I had servants and I had this. And I was like, now I have to do everything myself. It was like, yeah, this is life now. <laughs> Mark my words. They're not going to go. They're going to go back for holidays and stuff like that. Yeah. And they'll probably stay for three, four months. But mm. I promise you they'll come back. Then they'll stay here for a bit. Then they'll get fed up. Then they'll go back. They'll just be like literally like volleying between one yeah, or the other yeah I think I think for my mom it's probably just more about us like having yeah. us make noise and be around her rather than actually yeah. just being here because I think yeah she probably gets homesick but yeah that is it's a common thread I think it's us. a common thread mm. yeah yeah definitely definitely and definitely amongst um I feel like amongst the um 
like African immigrants, yeah. they more likely want to, I feel, I, I don't want to speak for all like Asians, for example, but they, they have a lot of their family here as well. And a lot yeah. of them don't intend in the long term to go back. Mm. And that's why you find a lot that are first, second, third, fourth, fifth generation. Mm. But Sudanese, you don't, you, I have never met someone who's third generation. Yeah. As yet that's that a, I know of. That's a very good point you make. Going back to Faisal Goes West, there is a really cute moment amongst all the trauma that's going on of the relationship blossoming. Um, did you feel like it was important for them to show that and to show that he had a connection with this lovely girl and, you know, that there would be a... I try not to think about it. I skip As- that part. Aside from your personal connection, of course. <laughs> I've been trying to find that skit the whole time I was watching it because I rewatched it last week. I was like, who's this skit if she's following her? <laughs> He was acting. It was just acting. It was all yeah, fake. Yeah, you better have been acting. Um, <laughs> no, so I think it was cute. Mm, guess so. Ooh, do you, okay, so you, I guess then maybe you're saying that you thought it was irrelevant. It didn't need to be in there, or? No, it didn't. No, okay. <laughs> I feel like maybe oh. they put it in there to soften the story because it was quite, you know, tough and, and sad most of the time. Yeah, but he made friends with the chicken. Yes, he did. He made friends with the chicken. Mm-hmm. He worked in a chicken coop. He was talking to them. He was laughing and stuff. Like, I, yeah. I, I, don't, I, don't, know, I don't know why a girl had to be brought into it. <laughs> he already had friends. Chickens were, were good enough. Yeah, exactly. But um, I, get, I know what you mean to say, soften it. I think mm. maybe if it was decided that something else was going to come out of it, like, mm. would something have uh, came out of it? So it's always nice, like, in um, stories like that, to have, like, a romance blossoming because you know all these people like you know um families and stuff that come here like oh you know the dating world in the west is so much better than in Sudan and yeah you know so I think that they're trying to show um like a side of that you know what I mean so yeah I guess someone can say it's cute they tried you know it was they tried they tried Um, (laughs) the part that I found quite funny in the movie was when um they're at the car wash and the white lady's getting her car washed and she mentions uh, about South Africa and she's like, is that something, is that near Sudan? Um, have you, <laughs> I mean, people have said dumb things to me like that all the time. Have you experienced that? Oh yeah. Oh God. Yeah. Like, um, they, like, oh, they'll be like, oh, where are you from? Sudan. Oh, Sudan. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm like, oh, it's in Africa. They'll be like, oh, but, um, you're Muslim. I don't understand. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so that I I I I know it sounds ridiculous, but you are of the you're very educated and smart. But trust me, there is a lot of people that literally can't grasp the concept. Yeah, of being, I like identifying and being African and Muslim. It just doesn't. It just doesn't. It's like, but it's funny they say that because Islam came to Africa before Christianity. So yes, I, I just don't understand the logic behind that does that make it's just like you're very dim <laughs> yeah it is it is and like um people like nabil and um nabil abdul rashid and mm-hmm. filio they talk about it a lot they, they they and i'm not saying i'm glad it's not just me like mm. obviously it's unfortunate for everyone but yeah. nabil says he he was like because you know like a proper vent about it because even when um i'm doing comedy and i apply for like black uh, comedy nights you know they do like black comedy and there's a black um, comedy circuit UK comedy yeah. circuit like I never I never get places even though 
not in an egotistic way, but I'm very much better. Yes. Then the other. Say it. Say it with your yeah. chest. You're better. You are. It's fine. I'm better than the others. I won't. I won't get it. <laughs> and even when I was applying myself, people were like, "Oh, we're looking for um, like we're looking for black comedians for this show." But if we have anything, and I'm like, I'm applying because I am a black comedian. I, I tick that box. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. But I think that there, there's um, people don't see because there isn't a representation of it here. Do you know what I mean? There isn't a, mm. a representation of um, the diversity within the black and within the African culture. But Nabil says the same thing. Nabil says, like, when I say, like, that's why he talks about in his stand-up a lot. Yeah. People, when he says, I'm Muslim, people are like, what, what? Like, the concept of someone being African or being black and being Muslim is just, they don't grasp it as the same thing. Filio Huff, um, he's a revert. Yes. But when he tells people he's a Muslim, they're just like, are you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's something I'm really, really like pushing with. And that's what the, the documentary that I'm um, working on mm. and hopefully get, that's what it's about. It's how black Muslims are so misidentified and people don't understand the impact it, uh, it has on us and how it isolates us mm. um, from the rest of the community. So, yeah. And I, I love that. And that's one time. of the reasons why I reached out is because I was like, yes, I'm all about representation. And um, I just think it's important as well. And just to get that variation because we just don't see it. And obviously I do in my everyday life, but I've learned in my old age now that not everyone gets the same experience or gets to see that. So you kind of take that for granted. Cause for me, this is a given in Uganda, we've got Christians, Muslims, you know, whatever. And Across, of course, North Africa, East Africa, there's quite, it's quite a big uh, Muslim community. And so I just don't understand that perception. But so that's why I love having you on the show and to speak your truth. So, yeah. Oh, thanks, May. And that's why I love coming on platforms like this so that people can learn about these things because it is really important. Yeah. What advice, I'm guessing probably more from your parent, um, your mum's point of view, did she give to people who were moving to the UK? Did she like give them a little heads up, like FYI, the, the roads are not painted in gold. Uh, you will have to work. And uh, yeah, you don't meet the queen. <laughs> the, the, one, the one advice my mum gave me from a young age and she gave my sister and she gives my cousins and she gives everyone is never smell. Because if you smell once, you will always be known as the person that smells. She's the importance of having good oral hygiene and having good odor is so important because she said in British culture, if you smell once, you will always be known as the person that smells. The most unique advice I've ever heard. Like I've legit never heard anyone say that, but I do get the cleanliness thing. And I, I think that's an African thing though as, as well. It's like you have to be clean and smell good and whatnot. You have to look clean. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, and it's like But it's not always it's not for always. It's not for it's not, Rachel, I swear to God, this is the when I started work for the first time, like when I did my pre-reds, my mum was like, It's so important because she was like, even if you have one off day, she said, even if you smell a million dollars, she said, if one time you yeah. rush for work and you sweat and you smell. 10 years later, they'll be like, oh, do you remember Ola? Oh, who's that? You know, the one with the stuff. Oh, which one's that? Oh, the, you know, the one that s- s- smelled of B.O. one time. Oh, yeah, that Ola. She, you will always be known as that. Oh, Lord. Thanks, Mum. On another note, some of her distant 
cousins or whatever meet men who live in the UK and they want to come over my mum always advises them like if you're happy and you're stable in Sudan she says stay there Ah. honestly Mm. she said if she could go back she would uh, she she said I would she she said I would never have moved to this country Mm. don't worry mum you get to go back it's fine yeah yeah she yeah she'll get to go back she'll get to I I get why I Mm. do get why I think again I'm not like speaking for other nationalities but like for example like the, for example, the Pakistani community, I, I envy that community in the sense that they have a big community here. So mm. you can go to certain places in the UK and you can kind of feel at home. Like yeah. the one place that it blows my brother's mind, I love going to Shepherd's Bush. They're like, oh, Shepherd's okay. Bush. Yes. But it's because I, that's where Sudanese people tend to go because they have like the um, food shops there. They are traditional mm. tiab. That's where you sell it there. So I love going there because it gives you that sense of being at home. But mm. unfortunately, because we're such a minority, they said, according to statistics, apparently there's 250,000 Sudanese people in the UK. That's nothing. So we're a very small community. Mm. So um, I think if we were a bigger community, maybe there won't be that sense of homesickness on their part she usually says like if you know always stay where your family are it's yeah so i've got a little quick fire round for you get to know a bit of your black cinema favorites uh pick different genres we'll start off with an easy one favorite black cinema action movie uh blue streak with martin lawrence oh that's a good one why why blue streak i don't know i just love that movie and got Dave Chappelle in it (laughs) Okay, there you go. And it's it's good that it came to you quick as well. What about your favourite black cinema drama? Housewives of Atlanta doesn't count, does it? Because that's not not a film. (laughs) It's very dramatic, but no. Um, Dramatic drama, black drama, black drama. drama. I think Brown Sugar was very dramatic for me. No, no, no. Love and Basketball was very dramatic Love and Basketball. Okay, good shout. Uh, What about your favourite black cinema comedy movie? Oh, God, there's bazillions. Mm. Black we love comedy, 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 comedy. Do you know what? I'm probably going to get slated for this, but Norbit made me laugh oh, wow, so okay. much. Thank I was going to say nothing, Professor. Yeah, yeah, it was going to be an Eddie Murphy anyways, but <laughs> Norbit really, really made me laugh. Did you just say like, you haven't seen that, Professor? No, I, I, I was going to say Nutty Professor. Oh, okay. Admittedly, admittedly, I laughed more at Norbit than I did at Nutty okay. Professor. No, I don't can, know what it was. It's Say Your Truth. It's totally fine. What about your favourite black cinema biopic? I want to say the, the Malcolm X one was good. I did, I did feel there was like a lot unpopular opinion and if my husband hears me he's probably gonna love it uh, oh god I, I'm, I'm gonna get counseled if I say this <laughs> I, I mean I feel like I do that all the time sometimes I do just to wind people up however say it it's okay it's good when you have different opinions I don't think everyone should think the same and just agree to agree so do it I think Denzel Washington's really overrated <laughs> ah! Ah! I just feel like 
like whatever movie I watch, it's the same. But like, I could, you could, I could be watching a Denzel Washington movie. I could close my eyes. The next one can come on, and I'll just think it's the movie before. And I, I literally, I get slated. Like, well, I don't know when I can save you. I don't know. <laughs> if I, can say. I don't. I, <laughs> I didn't think you were going to come out with something so radical. <laughs> but I, I don't. I don't know. I'm worried. I'm worried. I might have to edit this part out. <laughs> <laughs> to save you we will see no, i just i just i've always said that I was, and a lot of people say you haven't watched enough of his movies and i was like well maybe i'm not saying they're bad i think that they're good movies i just don't i just don't feel he's do you think do you think it's because everybody loves denzel that you're a little bit like i'm gonna rebel and go against the grain i love how you're trying to justify it for I'm me i'm trying Rachel. I'm trying because sometimes that that happens to me without me even knowing it. It's like when everybody likes something, sometimes I'm like, mm, no, I don't know. I feel like you're yeah, making think, me like this person for no reason. Yeah, and I, I, need... I, yeah I just feel that there's <laughs> better than him. In some, who, who do you think is better than Denzel? Who's a black actor? Yeah. Um, I think. Um, Oh, you put me on the spot. Now, now I look like a proper twat, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> no, because that was going to be my next question was like, who's your favourite black female actor and male actor? That was going to be my next question. So actually, you've kind of helped me go into Female it. for me is Whoopi Goldberg. I Whoopi? love Whoopi Goldberg. Legend. Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely love Whoopi Goldberg. Mm-hmm. Um, favourite black male actor... God, there's so many. They are. Do you know what? I really liked Morpheus in The Matrix. <laughs> I love, <laughs> I love how you call him Morpheus. <laughs> and Lawrence Fishburne. He, yes, he's a good actor. You like that one? Yeah, yeah. No, he's a good actor. So there, you, are, there is definitely better people in my head, but I think because on the spot, <laughs> I'm still, <laughs> I'm still worried about the audience going to absolutely slate me for Denzel. So you, you know, know the what? Strap going to be. Morpheus is a better actor than <laughs> Denzel Washington. <laughs> That's going to be the strap line for this episode. 100%. I feel like people will tune in just to hear that alone. All publicity is good publicity. Exactly. It's fine. Oh, That's shit. actually made my day and made my cheeks hurt. But don't get me wrong. If Denzel approaches me right now and he's like, oh, I want you to be in a movie with me, I would never say no. Okay. Noted. We'll, we'll let him know that. Okay, <laughs> we'll yeah. Oh, sure please do. Text him, yeah? <laughs> FYI, we're still good to work together? Yeah? 100%. 100%. It's going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Ola, you have been an absolute superstar. Like, and it's so refreshing talking to you. And I'm always trying to get more females on here. Um, exactly. But it's been an absolute pleasure. If I was going to ask for your favourite clip to direct people to YouTube, but as it's a short, we just let people know that they can go watch it on YouTube, it's free go and support um and i hope they enjoy it yeah they will it's 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 good you'll have a better understanding yes of a more diverse african community watching it so yeah yeah exactly well thank you so much ola and with your amazing name ola labib for those of you who don't know um it's been a pleasure having you on the show and i wish you the absolute best in everything oh you're amazing it's been absolutely pleasure being here as well thank you